Joshua chapter 23. I'll give you one more passage of scripture. Galatians chapter 1. If you can grab both. Joshua 23 and Galatians chapter 1. Read a handful of verses here in Joshua chapter 23. Read a verse in Galatians 1. And see if the Lord will give us something tonight to carry us through till Sunday. Now, it'd be real easy for everyone just to find something to do in the middle of the week. And uh, I appreciate y'all coming out. And I know the Lord keeps track of all that stuff. And I think it's a, I think it's a blessing. And I think when you get to the other side, I'll, I believe you'll see that it was worth it all. Amen. It was definitely worth it all. Joshua chapter 23, uh, I'm going to read uh, beginning here in verse 1. The Bible says, And it came to pass a long time after that the Lord, that, I'm sorry, that the Lord had given rest unto Israel from all their enemies round about that Joshua waxed old and stricken in age. And Joshua called for all Israel and for, all their, and, and for their elders and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers and said unto them, I am old and stricken in age. And ye have seen all that the Lord your God hath done unto you, all these nations, because of you. For the Lord your God is he that hath fought for you. Now, an interesting thing before we read anymore, Israel is the only nation in the Bible that you see the King James Bible says that God fights for Israel. Amen. Now, if there's, a, there's somebody I'd want on my side in a battle, it'd be the Lord. Amen. But look at verse 4. He says, Behold, I have divided unto you by lot these nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes from Jordan with all the nations that I have cut off, even unto the great sea westward. And the Lord your God, he shall expel them from before you and drive them from out of your sight, and ye shall possess their land. And the Lord your God hath promised you, as the Lord your God hath promised you. Be ye therefore very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, that ye turn not aside therefrom to the right hand or to the left, that ye come not among these nations, these that remain among you, neither make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause to swear by them, neither serve them, nor bow yourselves unto them. But cleave unto the Lord your God, as ye have done unto this day. For the Lord hath driven out from before you great nations and strong. But as for you, no man hath been able to stand before you unto this day. One man of you shall chase a thousand. Of course, that's Jewish. For the Lord your God, he it is that fighteth for you, as he hath promised you. Take good heed therefore unto yourselves that ye love the Lord your God. Else if ye do in any wise, go back and cleave unto the remnant of these nations, even these that remain among you and shall make marriages with them. And go in unto them, and they to you know for a certainty that the Lord your God will no more drive out any of these nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps unto you and scourges in your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good land which the Lord your God hath given you. I look at Galatians chapter 1. I'll read verse 4 here, verse 3 and 4. Paul says here in Galatians chapter 1 verse 3, he says, Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Brother Bob, would you ask the Lord's help in the preaching tonight?
Amen. Now, we've been preaching a long time about Israel and the journey, and it began, we began actually in the book of Genesis about five years back, and then we moved over to Exodus and began preaching instead of teaching through the book of Exodus, and we saw together how Moses was raised up out of Egypt. Amen. You know the story, and he was raised up, he was raised in the palace of Pharaoh, so forth and so on, and by the time he was 40 years old, he thought he ought to get with it, and of course, uh, he wanted to do it his way, like so many of us want to do in a Christian life, and they know, see, Moses knew God had something for him, uh, he just didn't have the wisdom to know what to do with it when it was his time, so he decides to take it into his own hands, and he kills that Egyptian, remember that? He kills that Egyptian that was mistreating uh, his own uh, brethren, and he hides them in the sand. And Christians are real good at hiding things, amen? And uh, don't be surprised uh, the next time you hide something, whether it's in the sand or not, I want you to notice that Moses, he served two life sentences out in the desert. A life sentence is 20 years now. He served two life sentences out in the backside of the desert, eastward in Midian there, uh, taking care of sheep. He served two life sentences and uh, I don't know, I'm mully grubbing and feeling bad for himself. Finally, at 80 years old, the Lord's like, okay, I guess it's time uh, to do a little jailbreak. I need you to do something for me. Well, of course, we follow this thing all through. And by the time you get to Joshua 23, Aaron's dead. Moses is dead. And they have literally inhabited the land. And Joshua's going on, as we read here in, in chapter 23. This is Joshua's final charge to the nation of Israel because he's an old man. So some time has elapsed, and I want to bring you on this very far side. They are now in the promised land. We're way ahead of ourselves from where we're at in the book of Numbers. And Sunday mornings in the book of Numbers, we're in the plains of Moab still. We're getting ready to cross over the Jordan River, amen, and start the conquest. But here, the conquest is done. There's still some fighting that needs to take place, but all the land has been divided up. And I was reading this thing in my Bible reading, and that verse in Galatians chapter 1, verse 4 was stuck in my mind. And I think, I don't think I'd have to teach this to you. If I said we live in a present evil world, I believe you'd agree, wouldn't you? And I don't have to go into the details about how evil it is. And I don't have to remind you it's on the newsreader board. And I think that's why many times a lot of Christians get bored with church because they come to church and they hear a bunch of political rhetoric or they hear a bunch of stuff they hear every day of the week. I believe when you come to church, you ought to hear something refreshing. I believe you ought to hear something that you probably don't hear all week long, amen? But here Joshua is, he's at the end of his life, and he's telling the children of Israel what they need to do to go on. Uh, because once God has done this for them, they still have to live in the land. And this thought entered my mind, how am I going to make it in this present evil world? I know I'm saved. I was saved April 24th, 1983. I was a seven-and-a-half-year-old boy. My mother led me to Christ. I know I'm saved. I know I'm headed to the right place. But now that I am where I'm at, at 40, almost 48 years old, how am I going to make it in this present evil world? I believe we get a good snapshot of what we need to do as a Christian if we can spiritualize the thing in Joshua chapter 23. I'll just jump right into it today. I think this, thing will, I think this will encourage you, and I think it will help you uh, I think sometimes we make the Christian life more difficult than it is. Now listen, there's plenty of difficulties that we're all going to face. Uh, some that you're actually a pro at. Some of you are a pro at difficulties. 
but there are some difficulties that you're not a pro at that you're still going to face yet, amen? It's like when I worked for the ice cream company for the first five years, every breakdown was a new experience. After five years of breaking down, I'd been through it so many times, it's like, okay, no problem. This is going to take a half day. This is going to require half of a Saturday. This is going to require two days, and no, I'm not going to get any. You see what I mean? But here in this present evil world that you and I live in, we already know it's a wreck. We know it's a train wreck headed for hell. And if you're saved, you've got the peace that passeth all understanding inside of you. But notice here in the passage, if you're going to make it in this present evil world, that God has given us, notice the first thing it's going to take in verse 6, that thing pops up. I'm going to say this, if you're going to make it in this present evil world as a Christian, it's going to require some determination. It's going to require some determination. Let me tell you what, you are going to have to determine to be a Christian. You say, well, I'm saved, that makes me a Christian. No, that makes you a saved individual. Oh, and that's nasty water right there, <laughs> but praise the Lord. <laughs> but it's going to require some determination. No, I don't need any more. I'll just drink the nasty water. It's going to require some determination. Look at verse 6. He says, Be therefore very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. I believe what our generation of Christian men and women are missing, it's not the ability to get a job. I know the work ethics are failing. I know the moralities are failing. I know there's so many things that are failing. But I think that one of the biggest things we lack is courage. We lack courage. But notice this here in the passage. Uh, we need courage to keep the book. Uh, look at specifically in verse 6 there. He says, Be ye therefore very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law. I'd like to, I'd like to turn to a few passages of Scripture here. Uh, look at uh, Proverbs uh, chapter 7. Uh, Proverbs chapter 7, if you live just for a minute here. Uh, Proverbs chapter 7, we'll look at verse 1 here. I'd like to give you just a couple things on courage to keep the book. Uh, we are Bible Believers Baptist Church, are we not? And uh, we're not Bible Believers Baptist Church because we're struggling for a name. It was very planned out. It was very thought out. And uh, we are Bible Believers first. Amen. Uh, we're born-again Christians, we're Bible believers first, and where the Baptists line up with the Word of God, praise the Lord. And where they don't, uh, they can go take a, 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 a trip around New Jerusalem for all I care, amen? But we are Bible believers first, and the reason we're Bible believers is because we're keeping the old paths and we're keeping the, the book. And there's not a whole lot of individuals doing that these days. And I don't say that because I want you to think that you're the last of the Mohicans and it's only you, but let me tell you what, it is a remnant. Just like during the tribulation, there will be a remnant of Jews. When it comes to King James Bible believers, there is a remnant. There is a small number of people. Now look at it. It's going to take some courage for you to keep the book. Uh, Solomon says in Proverbs 7, 1, My son, keep my words. Notice it doesn't say keep my teachings. It doesn't say keep my ideas. It doesn't say keep my messages. Uh, it doesn't say keep my, it says keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. Let me give you another, John chapter 14. Uh, you remember over there in the book of Hosea, I believe it was, or book of Amos, there in the last days, there's a famine of the hearing of the words of God. And that's the day and age you and I live in, John 14, 23. Uh, it's going to take some courage, the right type of courage, not the courage to be uh, 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 always kicking up division and kicking up trouble 
and being a fighter. But listen, it's going to take the right type of courage for you to keep the book that's in your lap. There has been wave after wave of attack to get the King James Bible out of this pulpit. Amen? And it's succeeded. Uh, it's succeeded very many times over the last 50 years. And uh, we don't think we're any better. We just think we're uh, doing what the Lord wants us to. And it takes courage. It takes guts. And if you don't think so, well, then you watch how quick this place would fill up if you let another Bible in the pulpit. Now, that's not an uncomfortable conversation. That's just the absolute truth. You put another Bible and you put a different approach in this pulpit, uh, the doors would fill themselves. The pews would fill themselves. But it's going to take courage. John 14, look at verse 23. 14, 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. You see that? That's how you define love. Love isn't defined by accepting everything and you're okay and I'm okay and uh, I just uh, I know you're a fruit loop and a fornicator and a pervert, but we love you. Ain't no. Jesus said, if a man love me, he will keep my words. And I'm just saying in these last days, it's going to take courage to keep the book. That is, if you go to Bible Believers Baptist Church, eventually, eventually, not right away sometimes, Eventually, you're going to have to be put in a position where someone asks you, why do you go to that church? And most of you are not going to say, well, because our preacher is just such a wonderful expositor of the word. <laughs> you're going to go because the preaching of the King James Bible. And once you draw that line in the sand, well, then out come all the cockroaches and the werewolves and all the trouble. Well, why don't you come over here because we have a much more friendly approach. Listen, I've been here for almost 10 years and you all are the most friendliest people in the world, even on a bad day. You are. But you know what it is? It's the book. What takes people out the door is the book. I'm telling you, it's going to take courage. Joshua said it, and you know it's the truth. I now look at this thing when it comes to the book. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. It's going to take courage. You know why it's going to take courage? Because you could stay home if you wanted to. And sometimes you might have to. You've got a group of Bible-believing preachers out there, the old guard that love the Lord and, and, and love the King James Bible, and they will excoriate you if you miss church. You know what I say? You're God's flock. If you can't come, that's between you and the Lord. You know what the preacher's supposed to do? He's supposed to feed the flock of God, the Bible says, which are among you. If you're here, I feed you. If you're not... Well, I hope, hope you can get it www or, you know, out of a book somewhere. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 2. It's not my job to skin the flock because certain individuals don't come all the time. You say, what is that? That's giving the thing to the Lord. Look at verse 17. Paul says, and this is going on back in AD 58. He says, for we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. Now listen, you realize this whole thing about corrupting the word of God was going on as early as AD 58 and AD 65? That was already going on. This is nothing new. This is not a generation, what are we now? Generation X, Y, Z, what, what are we? What is this generation called? Is it Z? We're at the end of the alphabet. We're going to start over. You, know, you don't dare do fractions. Nobody does fractions anymore. Z and a half or something? 
But that, I'm just saying it's going to take courage to keep that book that Joshua said, but not only keep the book in Joshua 23. Uh, as one uh, friend of mine said, a Bible believer is one thing, a Bible behavior is definitely another. I'll go back to Joshua chapter 23. I'll show you that passage there. Uh, he says there in 23 verse 6, it's going to take determination. That determination is courage. That's the good type of courage. That's bravery. Let me tell you what, it takes bravery to do right. <laughs> I don't care who you are. <laughs> it takes determination. Why? Because it is always easier to do wrong. Joshua chapter 23, verse 6, he says in the passage right there, he says, Be therefore very courageous to keep, now what's next, and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses that you turn not aside, therefore, uh, from the right hand or to the left. All right, so it takes determination. It takes courage to keep the book, make sure you got the right one, and then it takes courage to do it. (laughs) It's not an easy task, even though the Lord says through Paul, which is your reasonable service, right? All right, now the Lord's not a terrible taskmaster, the devil is. Matter of fact, his wages uh, are, are death, right? The wages of sin is death. He's a bad pay guy, right? But it takes determination, it takes courage to do what's right. Uh, look at First John chapter, uh, go back to John. I want to give you these uh, verses on being courageous and doing what you ought to do. Because in these last days, we need the refresher, we need the reminder, Because what happens is uh, things start, uh, you begin to wonder sometimes, is it really worth it? Is it really worth it to serve the Lord? Is it really worth it to go to church? Is it really worth it to to do what I do? Is it really worth it to put gas in the vehicle and go to the church house? There's only going to be a couple people there anyways. Is it really worth it to pray in the morning? Is it really worth it to read my Bible? Is it really worth it to get closer? I'm telling you, it is. It is. It is. Uh, now, John chapter 14, we'll look at verse 15. John 14, 15. It's going to take some courage to keep the book, and it's going to take courage to do what's contained in the Bible. 14, 15. The Bible says, if you love me, do whatever the fire you want, right? <laughs> right? That's, what, that, that's kind of how we act as a Christian sometimes. We're like, oh, it's okay, you do whatever you want. Uh, there's a phrase going, I hate it, and, and I really do, I despise some of these, uh, it's, uh, how do I say it, you be you, I hate that phrase, you be you, uh, Bible says, if you love me, keep my commandments, I'm not an Old Testament saint, I'm thankful for grace, aren't you, because <laughs> I sure need a shovel full of it every day, man, but uh, it, no, don't be you, be what God wants you to be. And if you love the Lord, keep his commandments. Well, you know, uh, Colossians chapter 2 says that he, he nailed all those commandments. Oh, I understand that. He's talking about the Old Testament commandments that made it uh, necessary for salvation. But listen, he didn't remove all the commandments out of the Bible, uh, just like the moral commandments, the practical. He didn't remove all that stuff. He just removed those things as a means that you had to follow it for salvation. Uh, Let me give you two New Testament references that may or may not help you, but uh, look at Colossians chapter 4, verse 10. I want you to understand the New Testament church 
even in its beginning stage, when the preachers went out, they were giving the people commandments. They were giving the people commandments. Colossians chapter 4, I want you to see this. We kind of get this free bird mentality, amen? Uh, this, uh, uh, you know, you know, blase, blase, whatever mentality. And back there, as you're going to Colossians chapter 4, uh, Joshua said, don't turn from the right hand or to the left. You say, well, what's the right hand? You know what the right hand is? That's Phariseeism. That is, you have so many standards that no one can possibly be as spiritual as you. That is, my dress standard is better than yours, and my music standard is superior than yours, and I would not dare go there, and I would not dare do that. That's, that's to the right hand. That's the extreme right. You see what I mean? We say, well, he said, don't go to the left either. Yeah, that left. that's libertarianism. That's like, hey, man, it's all cool. You do whatever you want. Uh, yeah, if you, if you want to smoke dope, smoke dope. If you want to go out and mess around, you see that that's the right hand or the left. The right hand says you have to be so stacked up with standards, pants, pork, hair, and hemline uh, that even God himself couldn't attain to those standards. And then the left side is, man, do whatever you want. That, he said, don't you stay right where the book wants you. Colossians chapter 4, look at verse 10. Paul says here in verse 10, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you, and Marcus, sister's son to Barnabas, touching whom ye received, what? Commandments. Barnabas came in there. To, he was a good old boy, a real gentle fellow. Uh, his name means son of consolation. And he gave that church some commandments in, Col- in Colossae. And you know what Paul's saying? You better listen up. You better listen up. He gave you some commandments. You need to follow those. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 2. It takes determination, it takes courage to keep the King James Bible, and it takes another dose of the right type of courage to do it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 2. Uh, Look at verse 1. Paul says, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. You see that? That brand new church in in Thessalonica Paul went in there, and you know what he did? He said, this is how you walk with God. This is how you please the Lord. And you know what? Once you start walking with the Lord, and once you start pleasing the Lord, you need to continually do it more and more. In other words, you keep going, and you keep growing. And look at verse 2. For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. You see that? You've got a New Testament preacher going into a church, and he's like, look, This is what you need to focus on. This is what you need to do. Here they are. Here are the commandments, and Paul gives them to the church. I'm saying it's just going to take a real good dose of determination and courage not only to keep that King James Bible and stand on that book, but go ahead and do exactly what God wanted you to do. Let me give you just a couple more verses on courage, and we'll kick past this thing on determination. Look at Psalm chapter 27. Psalm chapter 27. Psalm chapter 27, verse 14. Now listen, uh, in the heat of battle, when things aren't going the way you want them to do, it's almost impossible to garnish courage. But I'm telling you what, I've I've been doing a lot of history book reading and perusing lately, and some of those Civil War generals, when they were getting the fire beat out of them, 
especially Stonewall Jackson, and I cannot remember the name of the battle. Uh, but uh, anyways, he uh, they're getting their, their I mean they're they're dropping like flies. They got about fourteen thousand dead on the battlefield, and all the Confederates are in a rout going the wrong way. They're retreating, and he gallops backward as fast as he can, and he stops and he gets everyone stopped, turned around. He says. He says, we're going out, man, and we're going, you're going the wrong way. And he has, has enough bravery and intestinal fortitude to get what troops he had and reroute and go back towards the, the Union Army, and they won the day. They didn't win the battle, but they won the day. And now I see that's the way we are as Christians. Uh, things all around us are falling apart. Finances are falling apart. Our health's falling apart. Our relationships are falling apart left and right. Just about the time, it's, you know, it's the old slogan, a two steps forward and one, a one step forward and two steps back. But listen, we know how this battle ends up, man. We do. And we got to make sure that we take courage in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we take courage in this King James Bible. Look at Psalm 27. Psalm 27, look at verse 14. Bible says in verse 14, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Do you, you suppose that, the, that that verse is in that order for a reason? I got reading that thing, and a lot of many times, maybe we don't get the strength from the Lord we need because we give up on courage. You see it? In that verse, you, 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 get, you, you uh, pull, pull up your bootstrings, you could say it like that, and it says, be of good courage, be of good courage, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. The strength seems to me to come once the courage comes. I believe the Lord's wanting to see, do we have any courage? If the Lord was to look at Bible Believers Baptist Church, if he started with the pulpit and he looked at the preacher, would there be any courage? I hope so. <laughs> you say, well, you don't do everything right. Of course I don't. You don't do everything right either. But there's been some times in this ministry that the Lord's given to me that I've had to just, man, uh, okay, we're going out with a blast. And so you pull up your boot strings as tight as you can tie them. And mine was on the ice cream route one day, and I was just about as big as a balloon could be, you know, about 380 pounds. And, and I jump out of that truck, and I twist my ankle. And I heard this pop, this loud pop, and this piercing pain. And I got down there, and my boot was loose. So you say, what'd you do? I got down there on the one knee, huffing and a puffing. I tied that boot just as tight as I could. Took about four ibuprofen and finished the day, and I was fine in the morning. A lot of times, when that courage don't come until things fall apart. And you got to tie the things up tight. You say, all right, here we go. <laughs> and I'm just saying, in the last days, if you and I are going to make it, it's going to take some determination. It's going to take some reading the Bible when you don't want to read the Bible. It's going to take some prayer when you have zero interest in praying. <laughs> it's easy to pray when you want to pray. It's sweet when you want to pray. It's like, oh man, that's the greatest thing in the world, and then you don't pray for three weeks, you know what I mean? <laughs> and then it's like when you want to read the Bible, it's like, oh, wonderful, man, I'll tell you what, I got so much out of the maps and concordance today, it's a blessing, you know? But when you don't want to read the Bible and you're stuck in the book of Isaiah, you're like, <laughs> take some courage. <laughs> take some courage, man. And I want to encourage you, it's going to take some determination. Uh, let me say this. Not only uh, it's going to take some determination in uh, Joshua chapter 23, but through this text here, if we're going to make it in this present evil world, it's going to take some determination, number one. And number two, 
it's going to take the old hated word by all of us. It's going to take some separation. Separation, look at verse 7. It's going to take some determination, good courage, and then it's going to take some separation. And there in verse 7, I want you to see that thing is listed out. Joshua 23, you look at verse 7. The Bible says, That you come not among these nations, these that remain among you, neither make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause to swear by them, neither serve them, nor bow yourselves unto them. You see that? That's separation. They were in there. They were in the land. The lot and the inheritance was given to them, but all those nations weren't driven out yet. And by the way, let me just say, by way of mention, this earth is not your home. So this is not your inheritance. But still, nonetheless, you're just passing through, aren't you? Can I tell you this? You ought to be separated from this world. Now, that is the, that's, that's the, that is a, that is the proverbial cuss word for the Baptist. It is. Separation. And I have met very, very few Baptists that even like the thought process but there's two, uh, there's two words in the Baptist language that they abhor. It's separation and isolation. But it'll help you. It'll help you. I want to show you this real quick. All right, he says there in verse 7, Come not among these nations. Now we're making spiritual applications, amen? And when I preach separation, you know there's always two sides to that coin. Amen. The old timers, they, had, uh, they were right devotionally. They were right spiritually. They were right in their preaching. But they always preached the one side of the coin, Come out from among them and be you separate. Well, let me tell you what. Every Fruit Loop society in this world is separate. You see what I mean? You have to not only separate yourself from this world, which we're going to cover in a second, but you have to separate yourself unto God. If you don't separate yourself unto God, you are wasting your time separating from this world. And you will frustrate yourself and you will not be happy with the standards that you set for yourself. You see, when you're separated unto the Lord and then He enables you to separate from this world the way you should, you can be content. But if you don't separate unto God, you just try to be separate from the world and different from the world, you'll never be happy with it. And it'll always be some kind of Old Testament thing here. But look here in verse 7. He says that you come not among these nations. And we just read that, but uh, notice it. Neither make mention of the name of their gods. You know what the name of, their God, the, name of the gods of uh, the Gentiles are? Now, we're not going to take this as doctrine because it's a spiritual application, right? We know how to rightly divide the word, but we'll make a spiritual application. The three main gods of the Gentiles are money, sex, and education. You know, three areas in your life that you're going to have to be careful in your mindset and in your practice, those three right there. You have to be careful what you do with your money. You can be careful how, how much of importance you put on education. Now listen, Solomon said that the soul be without knowledge. It is not good. Get you an education, amen? amen. You, ought, you, ought to, you ought to better yourself, but you better be careful how much emphasis that you put on it, that you don't go the wrong way. Why? Those are the three main gods of the Gentiles. He says, neither make mention of the name of their gods. Uh, Lord told Joshua, don't even talk about them. I don't want to hear their names. And then he said, nor cause to swear by them. Uh, then he says, neither serve them. Neither serve them. You know, all kinds of Christians serving uh, the gods of the Gentiles. They're serving sports leagues. They're serving community groups. They're serving uh, whatever boards and chairmen, whatever. I, and I'm a terrible, I don't know what's going on. I'm so far removed because of the workload that I carry. And I'm not upset by that. Uh, someone says, you're, you're out of touch, to which I say, thank you. 
uh, I'm hopefully in touch with the Lord and in touch with my family, and that's it. Now my neighbors know me. I love them. I've been praying for them ever since I've been there. I've uh, seen a couple of them saved, but um, some of them are still on their way to hell. But he says, neither serve them. How about this one? Nor bow down unto them. You don't worship them, right? Of course, you know that. Uh, so you, that's the separation from this world found in verse 7. But notice, even in the Old Testament, you can find the balance. Look at verse 8. Here's the separation unto God. But cleave unto the Lord your God as you have done unto this day. Now Joshua, he's, uh, he's edifying the people because the children of Israel were a pain in his neck, man, and they were a pain in Moses' neck. But notice what he says, but cleave unto the Lord your God. Isn't that interesting? What is it over in Acts chapter 11? You won't, we won't turn there right now. Barnabas gets over there, and he's preaching to the first church in Antioch. The very first message he preaches to that church is cleave unto the Lord, those words, and it's found right there, but cleave unto the Lord. You know what we ought to do? We ought to separate unto the Lord. Just get close to him. You see it? It's right there. You separate from the world, and you separate unto God. And uh, Joshua's saying, look, that's how you do it. You cleave unto the Lord as you have done unto this day. Now, notice this separation. You know what it produces? It produces another dirty cuss word in the Baptist uh, language called isolation. Isolation. Separation, uh, separation produces isolation. But the proper accomplishment of this all is through insulation. Insulation. You say, what does that mean? Well, you make sure the right things stay in and the wrong things stay out. If I go out and cut wood in the middle of January and it's 10 below zero, I want to make sure I have the right insulation. We'll keep the cold out and the warm in. And uh, the one saw that we have has that little fancy button and it heats up the handle. Ain't that a blessing? Amen. And so then you can get frost burn with warm hands. <laughs> I've never understood it. But I'm showing you that you need determination and then you need separation. But that separation, it produces isolation. And not trying to make tongue twisters out of the thing, but it's accomplished through insulation. You say, well, what do I need to be insulated with? The Word of God. The Word of God. We've been preaching it and we've been trying to get that thing uh, forever stuck in your mind. That the answer to all of life's problems is not a hot toddy. It's the King James Bible. And isn't it interesting that this world, they've got a million and one problems. They still have enough sense to have a happy hour. When's your happy hour? Preacher said we could have ourselves a happy hour. <laughs> we knew this, uh, this uh, old couple. They, I think they went over to Greenbush for a while, and then the house was so poor. Man, he was in his 90s, she was in his 90s, and... And they're the happiest people we ever met. And we go over to their house, and they're dying there, and they're both getting up in the 90s. And he was just, man, he was just the, he's the kindest old man. I'm like, why is he so happy? And, and he's like, well, it's because he's in love with Jesus. And oh, later I found out he made his own juice in the basement, so maybe that <laughs> helped why he was happy. But apparently it helped him breathe better, he said. But anyway, I'm just saying what you got to do and make it in these last days in this present evil world. That's funny you can laugh at that is you've got to have some determination, amen, and then you've got to have some separation. But notice this, if you're going to make it in these last days, as I try to make the corner here, it's going to take you and I having the right affection, the right affection. I want you to look at verse 11 real quick here. Bible says in verse 11, Take good heed, therefore unto yourselves. Amen. That kicks out Facebook. 
that kicks out Snapchat, that kicks out Instagram, and all those uh, companies are designed to get you in everybody else's business and get you covetous. That's why the HGT channel is uh, really good for the housing market and the cooking industry because after you watch all those uh, housing shows, well, what kind of budget do you have for your house? Uh, Jack, I only have $3.5 million. You know, I'm going, I bought my house for $42,000 in 98. $3.5 million? And yeah, we'd like to make another $1.5 million worth of improvements. I'm like, oh. So what does that do? You get covetous. You're like, well, I live in a rat trap. I only got two stories. They got five. And then you see what they're driving. You see what they're doing. And they got, oh, I want a fancy barn swinging door in my kitchen. You see what I mean? Uh, it just makes you covetous and makes you unhappy. And so Joshua says here in verse 11, Take good heed therefore unto who? Yourselves. Worry about yourself. That you what? Love the Lord your God. It's going to take the right affection. You say, what is that? It's going to take you and me falling in love with Jesus Christ. You know, you talk about the things you love. I know you know that. Some people like sports, and they talk about sports. And some people like food, and they talk about food. And some people like their work, and all they do is talk about their work. But what was most convicting to me is if, when I was uh, dating my now wife, I would talk about her constantly. And I thought, when was the last time I talked about Jesus? And, I, and it's like the Holy Spirit kind of settled. He's like, boy, you're getting close to something you need to pay attention to. And I'm like, okay. And it's like he said, who do you love more? Do you love yourself more or do you love me more? I said, of course, Lord, I love you more. He's like, well, how can you talk about yourself all the time? I don't know if the Holy Spirit talks to you like that, but I sat there and tears welled up in my eyes. I just realized if I'm going to make it in this present evil world, I got to stop talking about myself. I got to look, take heed to myself and make sure that I have the right affection, that I'm falling in love constantly with Jesus Christ. He says, take good heed therefore in yourselves that you love the Lord your God. A couple of verses that you're very familiar with in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, Paul says, set your affection on things above. There's the right affection. There's the right affection. Romans 12.10 says how we're supposed to treat one another, being kindly affection one to another. And that's all about loving the Lord. Do you love the Lord tonight? Do you love him? Psalm 116 verse 1, David said, I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice. Amen. I love the Lord because he's heard my voice. He said, what is that? He answers prayer. Don't you love him for that? Have you ever prayed for something and then he comes through with it? And then you're like, you want to you get excited, but then you're embarrassed? Isn't that shameful? I'm in the same boat, man. I'm a wretch. Uh, the Lord's been so good to me the last couple weeks, and, I'm, and I should be jumping and shouting, and I just find myself tight-lipped. Why? I guess I don't have the right affection. I pray for things, and he comes through, and he's like, there you go, son. I love Just because I love you. I know what I deserve. You know what you deserve. And he just continually provides. I'm just saying it's going to take the right affection. A David said in Psalm 97.10, Ye that love the Lord. You love the Lord tonight? Well, then he says this, hate evil. You hate the evil? Well, if you love the Lord, you're going to hate the evil. You say, well, uh, I didn't quite hate the evil today. Well, then you better check your affection. Why? It's going to help you make it through this present evil world. 
How about this one, Psalm 31, 23? David said, O love the Lord, for the Lord preserveth the faithful. Preserveth the faithful. I was just thinking today how he has preserved me, how he's preserved my family. Amen. All these years, over all the uh, difficulties and trials and troubles and a lot of troubles that I caused and a lot of trouble that I didn't cause but came anyways, and he just preserved me. He just preserved me. And last time I checked, uh, preserves are sweet, aren't they? Amen. Unless you don't put enough sugar in them. Amen. Preserves are sweet. I draw this thing to a close here. I want you to notice to make it through this present evil world, you're going to need the right determination. That's good courage. Separation. And then the right affection. I want you to notice, I'm not going to preach it. I could preach it, but we're going to cut off just a couple minutes earlier here. What, what happens, what befalls a man if you don't have the right determination? If you choose, I'm not going to separate under the Lord and from this world. And he says, you know what? I don't think my affection to God is very important. Notice in the passage here in verse 13, the first thing that happens is you stop having victories in your Christian life. Verse 13, know for a certainty that the Lord your God will no more drive out any of these nations from before you. See that? You stop having victories. One of the reasons we lose our joy is because we don't have anything to be happy about. We're getting our tail kicked. Uh, notice here in verse 13, uh, we stop. Uh, uh, the enemy begins to, uh, he starts uh, trapping you. You start getting caught in traps. Look at that, verse 13, snares and traps. And then the next uh, part of that passage there, not only do you start getting caught in traps of the enemy, but the enemy starts whipping you. You see it? He starts beating you up. You ever said that? Now I feel like a Mack truck just hit me. At the end of the week, you feel like the devil just ran you over. That's it right there. A lot of times you stop having victories in your Christian life, and the devil starts beating you up. He starts trapping you. Not only that, uh, it says there in verse 13, the enemy becomes uh, thorns in your eyes. Everything you look at is painful. You can't see the good in anything. Works, too much work, family, can't get along with them, bills, too many bills, house, needs repair, car, breaking down. There's thorns in your eyes everywhere you look. You're just, you're just, miserable. You're just a miserable wretch. <laughs> and the enemy becomes a thorn in your eyes. Notice this finally in verse 13. If you don't get a hold of that thing, you'll eventually spiritually die. Look at verse 13. He says, he says, until you perish from off this good land, which the Lord your God hath given you. Right? You say, what does that mean? Well, if you stay out in far country long enough, you'll be gone like Demas. That's 1 Timothy, or 2 Timothy 4.10. Demas left Paul, having loved this present evil world. Right? If you stay out there long enough and you stop winning battles, you'll be like Diotrephes in, uh, what is it, uh, 3 John chapter 1, verse 9. Diotrephes, you know what he was? He's critical of everybody. He's throwing people out of the church, and he didn't like anybody, and he was, he was the man, and if it was going to be known, he was the person going to be telling you. That's critical of everybody else, and uh, so forth and so on. You got 1 Corinthians chapter 5, that guy messed up in fleshly problems and fornication there, and the list goes on and on. But that's what I see, and I was thinking about it. We live in a present evil world, amen? And the Lord Jesus Christ died on that cross to deliver us from that present evil world. Not just deliver us when we got saved, but he's delivering us every day from the power of sin. And finally, one day, he'll deliver us from the presence of sin. Amen. Hope that helps you get to Sunday, living in this present evil world. Let's pray.
Father, we sure love you. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for your goodness and your grace. Father, we acknowledge we know we live in a present evil world because your word told us. And Father, I pray that you give us courage to stand up for the King James Bible, uh, even though we don't understand it all. Father, give us courage to believe the Bible and behave the Bible. Lord, help us to separate where we should, specifically where it draws closer to you. And Father, give us the ability to have the right affection. Father, we sure do love you, and we thank you, Lord, for the few sheep that came out to get fed. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right.